Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. I think it's important for us because I'm 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 now getting into. I guess you grow into your your uh, your taste, you know. And I've always been someone like, who says that a Fabergé egg is valuable? Who's determined that this, you know, Basquiat is Warhol? Why is that valuable? You know, uh, well, value comes because we place that on on it, right? And as a culture, we determine what's value valuable. So I'm really happy to to speak with this woman. She is the founding partner of Picture That LLC. She's a corporate art consultant, fine art appraiser. We're going to find out what what that is and what what that means. Let me welcome to the show for the first time, Miss Valerie Cooper. Welcome. Good afternoon, Karen, and thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good. I'm good to good to see you uh, again. Good to have you. Uh, question: How does one become an art appraiser? Um, well, there are many different ways. Um, it's probably one of the few professions where there really is no degree. Um, there really isn't a, a, a licensed or, or sanctioned. Um, by the, I, I guess, the, you know, a, a federal authority um, uh, process that you go through, but you can become an appraiser based on experience. Um, if you look at art and you value art uh, many, many years, over the years, you get good at it and you put your shingle out and you call yourself an appraiser. All right. right. So back, back us up, back us up. How does one become interested in art? Like, you know, uh, I grew up watching good times. So Ernie Barnes, <laughs> that was my entry point. And then I, you know, I became friends with a few artists and uh, him, you know, there, you know, I have a couple of bibs and, and Leroy, Leroy, uh, who I have back here, Mr. Leroy Campbell, uh, who did a beautiful piece for me. Uh, he's an amazing human being as well. Shout out to him. Uh, Geechee uh-huh. Gullah, uh, brother that he is, but I don't, cause I don't, I don't know whether I, I know art. So when did you know, okay, I'm good at this. I, I know this stuff. What was your entry point, your, your road to Damascus that opened your eyes? So, yeah. So, um, I think the, the whole notion of liking art and knowing whether you're, um, aligning yourself with an artist, that's a good artist or not. It's about what you feel. It's about what you like. It's about what um, speaks to you uh, in terms of the colors, in terms of the beat, the rhythm. What is the Ernie Barnes art that you saw in Good Times depicting that brought back memories that you may or may not want to share, right? <laughs> um, you know, sometimes you see a piece and it's so familiar, you might start to sweat. So, so one of the things is in the beginning, I would say that novice collectors um, select art based on what they see that they like, that they resonate with. And then back to the, the appraiser question. And then once you develop an appetite and mature in the process of collecting, um, you start, you know, learning more about the value, um, who's selling at auction. And as much as I did say, you know, you can be an appraiser by hanging a shingle out. There are some very, uh, well-respected professional organizations like one that I'm a member of, the Appraisers Association of America that has a curriculum that used to be aligned with NYU. You take courses, you get a certificate, and you then could help people like yourself, and in my case, corporations, 
make good picks, not only based on what they feel, but what's a good pick in terms of a, the a probability of it appreciating in the market, of it you know, uh, becoming a good piece to have in your art collection portfolio, where if you want to sell it at some point, you know that you're going to get a good return. Valerie, can I building on that point because um, I, we just moved into a home a few months ago and all the all the walls are blank because I, I told my wife, I was like, well, we got to be very careful about what we choose to put on these walls and be very thoughtful about it. Um, huh. What is that extra layer of thoughtfulness that a, a somewhat novice person like myself can put on top of, you know, just liking a painting? to think about what the future value could be or what the like the future of that artist's life could be? What are the, some of the things that maybe questions I should be asking when I'm going to go evaluate a piece of art beyond just the aesthetics that I like? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think the first thing you want to know is a little bit or a lot about the artist's professional career. Is the artist, um, does he have, he or she have bankability? Are they producing? on a regular basis? Do they have inventory? Are they showing at galleries? Can you Google their name and find them at least more than once, right? Um, are they selling at auction? And that's where appraisers uh, like myself, uh, that's what we use. We rely on uh, quite heavily to, to appraise art, just like you'd have a house appraised and you wanna know what the house on the left sold for, on the right, across the street, we do the same thing. We look at comparables and comparables are sales results that have actually happened and transacted. So if I, somebody says, oh, I have a piece, I wanna know what it's worth. Grandmother died, you know, I think it's valuable. So one of the first things I wanna know is who is the artist? And then I'll use one of my many research databases to see, are they selling, did they last sell at Sotheby's, at Christie's, at Swan? Um, and it's very telling if I can't find anything, what level the artist is, that is for most. Now, in the world of African-American artists who weren't always as included, as valued, as well-respected, right? There are other places I have to look to find values, to appraise. And because I specialize in African-American art, I know to do that. I'm interested in doing that. But quite frankly, a lot of art has been deemed as not valuable or unknown or not relevant because, you know, a lot of uh, traditional appraisers, because they're not familiar with the art, uh, don't go the extra measures. What you'll find today, though, in the African-American art world is that we are being more and more included and the museums and corporate collections, which by the way, is my point of focus, not residential. And that's by choice. Women and dining rooms and living rooms. And I, I, I couldn't, I started out that way. I don't like I, the color, yeah, does it go with the rug? <laughs> after, after 30 or 40 unbillable hours, and then they call you to tell you what they found at the home goods store. It's like, no. <laughs> Give me a corporate facilities person that is that is there nine to five, you know, middle-aged, pot-bellied. It's not personal for him. He just has a budget, a project plan, and I just need to, to outfit, you know, X number of floors on time, on budget. So that's my, that's my typical client, right? I hear that. Um, I like that. Like a Sirius, like a Goldman Sachs, like a Deloitte, like a Diageo, blue chip corporations is really where I've played in the art space. And my goal is to help those companies 
diversify their art collections, just like they're trying to diversify their workforces. You better say it. Yes, Valerie Cooper is here and it's Picture That LLC. That's her picturethatconsultants.com is where you can find her. Um, And as you're talking, there's like, you know, the value thing. We're, We're seeing museums now having to return art that they stole from Africa, um, I remember growing up, not just uh, good times, but the Cosby show had a bunch of art that for a lot of black folk for the first time, we're seeing a plethora of artists that we never heard of before. And we're seeing it on number one show uh, in America. And it and it changed some things as a black woman in a space where your job is to bring culture into these corporate spaces. How did you get that? You know, what made you? the person, Valerie Cooper, that uh, got charged with that. And are you putting your thumb on the scale with artists that we've never heard of before um, to, to bring them to the forefront? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Um, over your shoulder, you're, you're pointing over your shoulder <laughs> to this. Yeah, so this lovely piece is a piece that I put in front of numerous companies. Companies came to me and they're like, um, we'd like a Juneteenth themed piece of art. I'm like, oh, what's that? <laughs> you know, so because it really isn't a piece that is that. Unless, can, it say, you know, sell, can it say happy Juneteenth on it? Is that possible? Can, you know, just, can they write exactly. that? So, <laughs> so when you start thinking about what Juneteenth actually means, like, so my job is to translate that, is to translate the CEO's vision who's now made this holiday a holiday and wants to celebrate it uh i get the call to help them do so artistically and the first question is usually is there a signature piece of artwork that depicts the theme that we're trying to celebrate in this case it's juneteenth it could be gay pride month it could be asian you know anything in the diversity space is what we do so this particular piece was one that was extremely um popular and well-respected uh, by CEOs largely um, across my book of clients. It's called Metamorphosis. And it's about just that. It's about the transformation of a caterpillar to, you know, ultimately a butterfly from a child, ultimately to an adult America from whence it came, slavery shackles to where we are today. So Sirius XM, fell in love with this piece. It is their signature piece. It's on their calendar. Um, We just had a lovely uh, Jubilee party dancing and um, spinning music. And and so the the, the winners will get many prints of this piece. And um, it it is, Karen, uh, by an artist who a lot of people don't know, Larry Poncho Brown. He's out of Baltimore, Maryland. Larry and I worked together probably 30 years. And so back to your, how did I, why me? I was one of those people like, don't come my way with Amway, with jewelry. I don't sell anything. And this is back in the day when everybody had a side hustle selling Avon or Tupperware. And I would always turn people away because I just wasn't a salesperson until I got a invitation from a friend. Oh, can I use your deck? One of my friends is uh, an art distributor and wants to have an art party and my space isn't large enough. And I was really hesitant, but ultimately I had, you know, okay, I clean up and host. So I had the art vendor, it was a couple out of Piscataway, New Jersey, uh, Tony and Yvonne McTeer. They changed my life. 
I was a Wall Street vice president managing software development teams around the world. Um, but, you know, make time for a friend that needed a deck. And when they finished setting up easels with pictures that depicted my aunts and uncles and Southern scenes and churches with cemeteries in the backyard, like, how do all of these artists know about these scenes that I thought I was only familiar with? Pieces of art called things like Dixie Peach. You can smell it, right? You can smell the comb sizzling through the hair. I mean, you really have to know the culture to know what I'm talking about. Or three big red buckets in the kitchen called 60 pounds. You were like, mm, I don't wanna eat any of those. I was blown away by this art because for the first time, this is in the 80s, uh, on the hills of Cosby, a different world, when for the first time, works by African-American artists of African-American people, because we know African-American artists started creating back in the 1800s. And if you jump on my Howard and Morgan and Spellman and Morehouse tours in the coming weeks with Sirius, you'll get to hear about those artists who did not necessarily cre create black people. But 1980s, we can do this now, we're accepted. It changed my life. And one of the things that the distributor was doing after he sold art, and I bought a bunch that day, the funeral procession, Ellis Wilson, yes. everybody knows that one. Um, he signed people up that wanted to become distributors. And my sister looked at me and said, you, you sell something? Picture that. I said, that is what I'm going to call my business. This was 1992. And I, you would have thought I was a, I'm not going to call out any religions, but you know, on the corner passing out tracks, with my art catalogs, I could not sell art fast enough, long enough. And what really sold me was, it was the art, yeah, but it was learning about my culture and a positive light for the very first time on canvas. Because remember, we didn't learn anything about ourselves, about our artists in grades K through 12. Nothing, right? We, we, weren't, we just weren't included. I grew up in the 60s. Okay, then I go to college, I went to Morgan State. Now that was a completely fabulous and wonderful experience because it was an HBCU with a fabulous gallery. So now I'm getting a really good introduction to the art world, to the world of African-American art. Um, but then fast forward, Columbia Business School, Goldman Sachs, 87. I'm now an only all over again, right? And one of the things that I was, I lucked up and got an opportunity to do is help them start their very first diversity practice, uh, late 80s, because they were going public and the numbers were not, uh, you know, ones they were proud of in terms of the women and minorities. And I said, okay, if you want me to do this, because it wasn't really something I, I had earned my stripes as a technologist or, and, and a line job traveling the world, you know, managing all men. I was the only, I was a hidden figure. That's what I felt like as a technologist. And so to be asked to start this diversity, who, um, you know, so my mentors at the time said, look, don't view it as something that um, can't work for you. What would you like to get out of it? And I said, oh, okay. Cause we don't women as women, we don't really think about careers that way. We kind of take what we get and feel happy that we got something. We don't really view 
our next move is a point of negotiation or something mm -hmm. to go ask for. So the benefit of working in an all male, wealthy investment banking environment for almost 20 years was I was taught to, um, you know, take advantage of, of my career choices by placing them in front of who would make a decision about them and plant those seeds. So I said, well, listen, I think if you want me to do this, recruit more women, minorities, you know, establish relationships um, so that we could get more, I, I need two or three things. One, I need to go on the HBCU campuses and I need you to go with me. Yes, Valerie, okay. Two, I need permission to work with the firm's curator because art was a thing for me by now. And I felt if I could curate exhibitions that promoted awareness of whatever it was you wanted more of women, my, uh, African-Americans, uh, Latinx, LGBT, veterans, persons with disabilities. So that translated into for every celebratory month and every building in the lower Manhattan uh, facilities for Goldman, we had these mini exhibitions so successful. I knew at the time I said, I, you know, and the third thing I negotiated was a, a, a promotion and to go back into my regular job in three years. After six months, I knew this was my calling. I knew I wanted to leave Wall Street and I knew I wanted to work with every single diversity practitioner to teach them how to use their art collections as a vehicle to promote awareness of DE&I. So here I am today with Sirius XM, my newest client. I'm so excited. And my business partner, uh, Anthony Green, who's here in the studio with me. Hi, Anthony. Say hi to Karen. Hey, Anthony. Anthony, <laughs> one of our, one of our, you know, yes, he, he's a, one of our family members, Valerie, which you should have been, which you are now. Long time listener. Long, yes. Long, he, long. he is your biggest fan. He is your biggest fan. But you know, it, it, one of the things I said to uh, Nicole, who I've worked with, Nicole has been a, Nicole Huey, who runs DE&I Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for SiriusXM. She's new um, here, but she's made a fantastic difference. And she and I have been joined at the hip. She was one of my first corporate clients uh, at the Travelers, who happened to be the company I was hired from right out of Morgan. So it was that was coming full circle. And we started, you know, using art at the Travelers. You should see that beautiful piece of guys singing doo-wop with the umbrellas. We actually gave Janice Huff that piece, the weather, because, you know, I mean, it resin, the umbrellas, the rain. And art is just so powerful because of, uh, you know, the fact that it does speak a thousand words. So my mission is to help corporations find creative ways to promote awareness of difference. Valerie Cooper, founding partner of Picture That LLC. Uh, you can find her at PictureThatConsultants.com. Tell us about the HBCU digital art collection project that you're currently on. And can people, can anybody, because it's digital, can anybody tap in and see it? Well, Karen, if I have my way, they will be able to sooner than later. So this is another a digital art collection that connects every single, all 107 HBCU art collections in this country available via one portal, picture that, right? Why not picture that? Because just think of the rich history about our culture that has been left on all 107 HBCU campuses by artists, by students that majored in art, 
uh, by donors. And also think of the fact that a lot of these HBCUs are, most of them are really small. There's probably maybe the top 10, you may be able to name 20 if you're really smart, but most of them are tiny and small towns and places like Arkansas and Mississippi and Kentucky, Ohio, that most of us just practically would never visit. um, And in particular would never visit their their galleries or museums. So, sort of what I did, what I salivated over for many years was that notion, but during COVID, when I was incubating and, you know, just had time to stop and put ideas on paper, finally, I got the white paper going, I got the straw man going, and I was able to uh, pitch the idea to one of my corporate clients, actually, uh, my partner, Tony Green, had a lot of experience working with law firms and he was able to um, introduce the idea of using the HBCU law school collections for the first time together as a, uh, as the featured thing to talk about and, 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 and view for a gala that had to be virtual and they weren't gonna have it. They didn't know what to do. And we said, well, yeah, let's come together lawyers, patent lawyers, let's talk about art. Let's tease some of the invention art from the law schools out and law art about patents. And we had one of the most fabulously curated law themed HBCU combined experiences using art from the law schools of uh, Southern University, um, UDC in Washington, DC, Central, North Carolina Central. And then we also included A and C because the engineering school had a lot of students that were joint majors. So that started the first four down, 103 to go. And then guess what company stepped up to the plate next and said, I want a piece of this. Who, Sirius XM? Sirius XM. Nicole and I said, Nicole, I I have this idea. You have six HBCUs that you need to get to know better. How are you going to do that? I have some experience, right? Helping to foster conversations, build relationships, talk about culture when otherwise it might be really hard and just a, a, a workshop. You can talk about culture so easily over a piece of art. So why not let's examine the collections of Morgan State, Howard, Morehouse, Spelman, Prairie View, and Houston Tlotson, which are your six HBCU partners. And we've done that. So you can, the serious viewing audience can view now works from your six partners. And we have guided tours that started this week and they'll continue through next week. They're all recorded. And that's just the beginning. We're gonna have workshops. Is that on the SiriusXM app? Um, I believe it's on the SiriusXM employee website uh, you're, you're, so you're regular staying. people can't watch this um well you know what we're gonna make that happen nicole is okay. actually uh waiting to have a debrief with me as soon as this is over to find out what next because one of the things i thought would be pretty cool karen is if you and i could figure out a way to have a dedicated uh show for hbcu art collections i mean there are 107 of them and you could imagine all the things we could find to talk about just imagine. Well, right? um, <laughs> if, if I can curate, then you can program. 
and then we'll get that together. Hey, uh, thanks for that. So uh, thank you so much for doing all of the work that you're doing. And I'm thinking about value and NFTs and all of the possibilities. Uh, but follow Valerie Cooper. You can go check out picturethatconsultants.com. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.